this journey Again lost in my mistakes It looks to me like weakness Is the canvas for your strength My story isn't over My story's just begun Failure won't define me Cause that's what my father does Failure won't define me that's what my father does.
Well, welcome to the service. Welcome to East Tailsville Baptist Church. It's my honor to welcome you here this morning. Uh, we also want to welcome you as family. Welcome back home. But for those that are visiting, we hope you make yourselves at home. We're so honored to have you if you are visiting with us today. And as you've come, we encourage you before you leave to please fill out the care card that's in your bulletin or drop by our guest table located in the lobby, pick up a guest bag. Uh, all that to say, we want, we'd love to have a record of your visit, know how we can serve you better, know how to answer any questions that you may have. Uh, but it's an honor to have you here with us. And uh, as we get into our service, I have one quick announcement I want to make. Um, if you look at the screen, um, any of you that have been to the third floor and uh, my generation, um, we spent a lot of time up there. But we recently made some updates to our third floor, making some room for baptismal cha changing rooms and those small classrooms. And as a part of that cleanup and update, we have a lot of uh, chairs that we've removed from the third floor. A lot of those old wooden chairs, uh, we've got some old desks. In the next picture, in our basement, we've got some of those chairs that do need some TLC. Some of you are good at that, and some of you are good at repurposing some of that stuff. But before you leave today, if you would be interested, you can take any of that that's in our basement. It's out that back door in the corner, down at the corner back there. You can go to the basement. Um, you can take any of that that you want. If you want to make a donation, you can. But before we throw it out, we want to give you a chance to get that. So just a quick announcement there. That's available, um, or you can come by during the week. But right now, we're going to ask everyone to stand. As you stand, take just a minute. Say hello to your neighbor. Welcome them to the service. If I can have your attention, if you'll please be seated and direct your attention to the screen. I'm going to ask Cody and Maggie Gilbert to come to the stage. We're blessed. Don't, don't you love baby dedications? I really, really appreciate the fact that we can dedicate children. Just want to remind you as they're coming, this is not for salvation at all. But what we're going to do today is pray for Wyatt's salvation. And I just want to say to Cody and Maggie, I really appreciate both of you. Uh, when they first started coming to East Hills of Baptist Church, we're in the sanctuary. And what amazed me about Cody and Maggie, Logan and Jayla, is they all sat on the third pew from the front. That never happens in a Baptist church, by the way. And, uh, since, uh, and since they've been coming and joined the church, they've been so faithful, and I appreciate that. And I'll say this, too, for you, you uh, couples who have young babies. Just the fact that you're faithful to church is a blessing to me because I know how hard that is on a Sunday morning just to get to church. Amen. And they come as much as they can. I really appreciate that. Cody, I really appreciate your service here. And I love both of you. I'm honored to be your pastor. And today we're going to pray for little white salvation. And congratulations on the birth of your child. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 127. Children are a gift from the Lord. I want to say that again. Children, all children, are a gift from the Lord. Amen. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Amen, brother. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. And what God is saying is this little fellow is a blessing, he's a reward, and he's like an arrow in your hands. And today you're going to make a covenant uh, before your church family and before your family and friends uh, to raise this young man up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And I'm going to ask you both the question, if it's the desire of your heart, respond by saying, I will or we do, in presenting white to the Lord, do you promise through God's grace and the help of the church to teach your child the truths of the Christian faith? Do you also promise through prayer, word, and example to bring white up in the nurture, discipline, and instruction of the Lord? Thank you. In congregation, we say this every time we have a baby dedication, it takes a church to raise a child. 
Many of you will have him either in nursery, extended session, Awana, student ministry, all the way up, Sunday school. And I'd like to ask you a question as well because we make the same uh, commitment as they do. Congregation, do you promise to provide spiritual instruction for Wyatt by giving of your time, talent, and resources to help him come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And do you promise to pray for Cody and Maggie as they seek to raise Wyatt in the fear and admonition of the Lord? If so, would you respond by saying we do? Thank you very much. We've both made a covenant. We got a certificate that talks about this day. Um, we have a little Bible for Wyatt for whenever he can read. We have the Lamb's Book, and I just want to mention this, and I mention this often. Probably one of the best books on explaining why Jesus Christ had to die for us. It talks about how he's the Lamb of God and how that he takes away the sin of the world. It's, it's, it's got pictures. It's really good for children. It's good for any age, okay? And we like to give these out at every baby dedication because I know that you'll go through this. If you, if you come to us and your child is younger and you say that they, they're asking about salvation, we're going to give you this book and encourage you as a parent to go through this book with your child so you have that. We have this little East Hill Baptist Church student ministry t-shirt and also this is a letter that I've written to White Allen Gilbert and it talks about this day it talks about how his mother and his and his father brought him before the church and they didn't have to do this and that they made a commitment before you to raise him as best they can and, and, and tell him about Jesus also how we did as well and how that we prayed for this moment right here and what we're praying for is his salvation and we're gonna pray that God saves this young man and uses him for his honor and his glory amen so let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, I want to thank you so much uh, for Cody and Maggie, for their faith in you, for their faithfulness to this church. Lord, I'm honored to be their pastor. Thank you for their friendship. Lord, we pray for little White. We thank you for his birth. And Father, now we pray for his rebirth. Father, we pray that you'd save him at an early age and use him for your honor and your glory. I pray that because of his birth, the name of Jesus Christ would be glorified and his kingdom would be expanded. So, Father, as a church family, Lord, we are a family. We pray for this young, man, this young child to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and that, Lord, you'd use him for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people say together, amen. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Would you please stand and join us in worship this morning?
Well, amen. This is one of the greatest past weeks we've experienced in almost 50 years. Last night, we had five of our grandkids, and I thought, how precious is ever life? Life won this week. Life won. You know what? As Christians, we need to be praising the Lord for that. I want to invite you this morning to be able to come and just thank the Lord for the victory that's been won this week. Also, I want you to pray for those in our bulletin, those who are in need of prayer, our family, church family. I want to invite you to come this morning. Before you do, I want to read what Job said in Job 33:4. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. We're who we are because of Him. He's given life. And we need to praise Him this morning in prayer because life is one. You come, and we'll pray together. You come. Father, you've given life. Your spirit has breathed life to us, and we praise you for life. And we thank you that life has won this week. Lord, the devil wants to destroy and to kill. But God, you want to bring life, and you want to give it more abundantly. And Father, we thank you for the victory that's been won in our nation. But Father, we pray, Father, for those that oppose us and oppose life. Father, as we go forth this week, I pray for our nation that you bring great help and healing. We need you. That's the answer. We need you in our hearts, our homes, our lives, our churches across the land. And Father, we need you. We desperately need you. I pray you would open our eyes. Awaken your church, Lord, to really see how much we need you. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us hope. Lord, thank you that we can pray for children to be saved this morning in their life early. And Lord, you can do that. We thank you that you do. And Father, we pray for the needs in this congregation. That you'd meet them according to your riches in Christ Jesus. That God, that everything that we face in life, that we'd run to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we'd find hope and answers. And Father, we want to thank you for your presence this morning. Your Holy Spirit who lives in us and seals us into that day of redemption. We praise you for who you are and how you live in us and through us. And Father, this morning we pray for our family, our church family, those who are going through difficult times. We pray for help. We pray for comfort and peace and for guidance and direction in their own lives. And Father, we thank you for loving us this morning. Lord, thank you for the wisdom that's in your word. I pray you'd bless this time and may you be glorified and praised. In Jesus' name, amen.
following Jesus Christ is not a difficult life. It is an impossible life. That is an impossible life in and of ourselves. But this morning, I have tremendous news for you. Good news. We who follow Jesus Christ, if we are authentic followers of Jesus Christ, if we truly know Christ as our Savior and Lord, God gives us supernatural power. The sad thing is many of us don't avail ourselves of that power. Christian life in its essence is not following a law of rules and regulations. Rather, it is a life of freedom. It's a life of love. If I love my wife as I do, there are certain things flowing from that love relationship which I don't do, and there are other things that I do. And as we follow Jesus, there is this internal motivation, a spiritual desire, because we've received the life of God in our soul, the gift of the Holy Spirit, a motivation, a love for Christ, a love for His Word, a desire to please God. Yes, the struggle is there. Yes, the flesh never goes away. As long as I live, the flesh will be there. But each day, as you walk by the Spirit, you'll experience the supernatural power of God in your life. Well, amen. I wish I could talk like that. Hey, y'all. <laughs> I don't. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 14. Thank you, choir and musicians. Thank you, Caleb, for the song. If you, have your, if you have a bulletin, if you'll look on the back of the bulletin down at the building fund, we just want to mention something that was accomplished this morning with a special called Deacon's Meeting. Uh, if you'll notice there with our loan payment, um, this building costs between four to $4.5 million. We started building in 2010 or 11. Uh, this is 44,000 square feet. We built the building back then for $100 a square foot, I believe it was. The, top, the, the kind of the theme we had is time to build. We said we, right now is the time to build. When we started our pledge drive, uh, the economy tanked. <laughs> we didn't know what we were going to do, but you know, God provided. And we've been blessed. And from that time uh, back then, I signed a loan as the president of this uh, LLC, if you will, uh, with... Uh, uh, a, a local bank for $2.5 million, okay? Right now we owe $294,255.08. Uh, this week we're going to put $150,000 on that, which means this, that um, by Christmas we hope to have this building paid for, okay, which is a blessing. What I would encourage you to do, this is what I do. I don't know who gives here. I preached on giving maybe once every five years I preach on it. Um, I preached on it uh, during this series, um, is I would encourage you as you tithe, this is what I try to do, is once I tithe, I give a little bit above that, okay? And what will what, happen is if enough of us give a little bit above that, we can pay that off without taking a bunch of money out of our, out of our budget okay, or out of our bank account. So we want to encourage you to do that, and that can help us to focus on other things to give money to. Um, but we're blessed here at East Hills of Baptist Church. Last year, uh, I think Kevin mentioned a couple weeks ago that we gave over $200,000 to, to mission causes last year, and that's a blessing. And I would challenge any church, especially in Alexander County, to, uh, to match that. And uh, we're a mission-minded church. Um, we're a benevolent church. We help people in the community. We help our members, of course, first. But thank you for giving, okay? This is not a plea for me to tell you that we're not given here, we are given here, and we thank you for that. Uh, and I'll remind you that what we're doing at East Hills of Baptist Church today is in the Bible. 
A lot of things that are going on in this county today are not in the Bible, but what we're doing today is in the Bible. God has called us to meet together as a church and as a church family, and uh, we just wanted to give you that information that we're getting closer to paying this off, and we're so thankful for that. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14, and stand with me, if you will, as we look at God's Word. Been going through a series called Question and Answers. I think we've been going through this for about three months. I was asked one Sunday the, the hardest question that anybody can ask a preacher is, why don't you preach on the Trinity? And I said to myself, I'm not going to do that. But what you can do, I've preached on the attributes of God, I don't know, three or four different times here. I think eight messages. Last, or last time I preached, we looked at it, is Jesus God? Okay, and we proved that Jesus through the Scriptures is God. This morning we're going to look at this thought, is the Holy Spirit God? So if God is God, Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, that's the what? That's the Trinity, okay? The Holy Spirit's work in your life is so important. The Bible says that if you'll walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Now, my desires and yours are different for the most part. A lot of us have some of the same desires, and those desires can pull us away from the Lord, okay? What God would tell us is this, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill those desires. Any of us. It's very important. The Bible says this as well, that if you're a born-again Christian... I'm talking truly saved by God's grace, that the Holy Spirit lives not in Jerusalem, not in a temple, but in you. That's an amazing thought, is it not? So this morning we have people here in, in, at East Taylorsville. You're either filled with the Spirit or you're not, which means you're either saved or you're lost. And my prayer is that through this message today that you'll understand whether you are or not, Okay. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me as a lost person was going to church, hearing a preacher preach, and I left knowing I was lost. I knew it. There was no question. Hey, I was a good student. I made good grades. Okay? And I understood intelligently. I reasoned it out. I'm lost. Best thing ever happened to me. Because you can't get saved till you get lost. So if you're here today and you're religious, I hope God makes you lost today. And you give your heart and life to Jesus. But I also hope if you're a Christian here today, you understand you have incredible power, you have God's presence. All those things are available to you. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Look at, that. Look at how he describes the Holy Spirit, a helper. Now let me ask you a question, and don't raise your hand. You need help? I'm serious. Do you need help? Emotionally, do you need help? Spiritually, I mean, let's just be honest this morning. If we're going to, you're here, it's, it's vacation summer. Thank God everybody's gone on vacation, but you're here. Do you need help? He's your help. Do you need help physically? Do you realize there's some things doctors and medicine can't do that God can? Do you need help? Do you need help in your life? Do you need direction? How many of us need direction and guidance and those things? Jesus said, I'll send a helper that he may abide with you forever. That gives me great comfort. Look, the spirit of truth. There's one truth, church. Aren't you thankful for truth? He'll send the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be, after the resurrection, in you. I will not leave you, look at that word, orphans. I'll explain that, the very last point, I'm going to explain that. 
and I will come to you. Then in John chapter 16, look at verse 5. Jesus speaks more about the Holy Spirit. He says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I've said these things, you sorrow, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now, Jesus doesn't waste words. This is in the Bible. He says, It's better for you if I leave. He says, For if I do not go away, the helper, there's that word again, or comforter will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict, look at that word, the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. You know the greatest discipleship ministry you have and ministry you have is the Holy Spirit? Now, I want you to read that again. This will help you with your Bible study, and I'll talk about this in a moment. He will guide you personally. He will personally guide you in all truth. Okay? That's a promise from Jesus, that the Holy Spirit, when you open this book, He's going to guide you into truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for He will take of what is mine and declare it to you all things that the Father has in mind, Therefore, I said that he will, make, he will take of mine and declare it to you. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for your word. Father, we want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is a choir just saying, please come. Illuminate the scriptures to our minds. Lord, as we search the deep things of God. The Bible says that he, the Holy Spirit is a person and that the Holy Spirit is God. In the New Testament alone, the Holy Spirit is mentioned almost 300 times. But He's a person. He's not a force or simply a spirit. He is a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. Jesus said, when you baptize, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible says He has the attribute of holiness. That's why we call Him the Holy Spirit. Think about this. One, one scholar put it this way. In more than 90 places, the Bible calls the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Holiness is a basic characteristic of the Spirit. The Spirit is so holy that blasphemy against the Spirit cannot be forgiven. That's not what Jesus said in Matthew 12. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it'll be forgiven. Him, Jesus said, you can speak against me, it's going to be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. Why? He's co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. That's why in wedding vows on, in mine, you end your wedding vows, you make a promise to never, men never to leave your wife. For richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part in the name of the Father, and I stop, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And I tell couples this, listen, we're going to sign marriage license. state of North Carolina is going to recognize your marriage. God recognizes your marriage when you take vows in His name in front of your family and friends. Okay? Jesus said, what God has put together, let no man separate. That's what He said. You make vows. When we baptize, I baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Him in His death, raised to walk in newness of life. Okay? The Father, the Son, Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize in my name, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
He is eternal. The Spirit always is. Hebrews 9, 14 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God? The miracles of Jesus were done by the Spirit, many of them. But Jesus said, But if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come among you. The birth of Jesus was by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Matthew, Matthew says. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, she was still a virgin. She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul was telling the church at Corinth, do not be involved in sexual immorality. He says, because what happens is when you become one with another person, and y'all know what I'm talking about, you become one. Body, soul, and mind. You become one with that person. You give a part of yourself away. He says, do not. He says, do you not know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? You are. The writer of Romans, Paul writing to Rome, said this, or do you not know... No, he says this, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if it does not, if, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Listen, there's a, never a command in the New Testament to be indwelt. The moment God saved you, the Holy Spirit invaded your life, and that indwelling is permanent. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people. The Holy Spirit came upon Joseph. The Holy Spirit came upon Joshua. The Holy Spirit came upon Daniel. A lot of people think Samson was this big, strong man. Maybe he was, but the Bible never indicates that. The Holy Spirit came upon Samson. And as soon as the Holy Spirit left, Samson didn't do nothing. He might have been a little dude. He might have been a little dude like Mark. We don't know. The Holy Spirit came upon him. The Holy Spirit came upon David. The purpose for this indwelling back then or, or, or to coming on upon people is to enable individuals to perform certain ministry with God's help. Back in the Old Testament, the indwelling was transitory and was usually withdrawn. That's why David said this. Remember when the Holy Spirit left Samson? The Bible says that he woke up like normal, but he did not realize that the Holy Spirit had left him. When David sinned with Bathsheba and killed her husband, when he repented, he said this, Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. It came upon them. It inspired them. But when you get saved, listen, in Jesus' day, they had the, the beautiful temple. Okay? They had the Holy of Holies where a priest went in one time a year as the presence of God. They say he had to have a rope around him and bells on his, on his robe because if he was in a sinful state and didn't make a sacrifice for his sin, he would die in the presence of God. Then Jesus died, the veil of the temple was rent, and then the Holy Spirit became in you. Aren't you thankful you don't have to travel to Jerusalem to meet with God? See, the Muslims make pilgrimages to Mecca just trying to hope that they can touch that little meteorite that fell out of the sky. That's what's in that thing. A little meteorite. Do your study. Because that's the presence of God. You're, he indwells you. That's a fact. It's permanent, and God never leaves. That's why Paul would say this, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not, the writer of Hebrews says, do not insult the Spirit of grace. Do not reject the Holy Spirit. Don't do those things. Those are facts, okay? How do we know 
that the Holy Spirit is God because the Holy Spirit does things that only God can do. The first thing is this, and I'll go quickly. Notice creation. Notice the verses on the screen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over it. And God said, let us make man an hour. Why would he say hour? Because he's talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. It was darkness, chaos. Then the Holy Spirit starts his work, and along comes order and incredible beauty. And the Holy Spirit does this so God might be glorified through creation, and you might know that God did this. You remember the analogy I used last week when I said uh, about a 747? Well, think about this. Let's say you go up to, in a neighborhood, and you see a house. You don't say, it's amazing what the wind did to bring this house together. Isn't it amazing? No, you say, it's amazing what an architect and a contractor did. Somebody's mind went into that. There's, there's design to this house. The Holy Spirit makes, helps make the world in such a way that it's ordered and, and, it's, and it's literally almost perfect. You can say, I bring honor and glory to God because of this. So much so that Paul said that, the, that if you just notice the creation, you're without excuse. The Holy Spirit takes what is chaotic, shapeless, and formless and makes something beautiful out of it. Mark quoted this scripture this morning. Job says this, the Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Jesus says in John 6, he says, It is the Holy Spirit who gives life, indicating that he gave life, gave life to all living creatures at the time of creation. The Holy Spirit. What else does the Holy Spirit do? Think about this illumination. I want you to notice this verse on the screen. This will help you. If you'll go to the uh, 1 Corinthians 2, Corey 2.10, the Bible makes this statement. He has served, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. That's talking about illumination. Think about this. Illumination. Augustine, the great theologian of the first millennium, before his conversion, Augustine earned a reputation. Augustine was known as a debauched, drunk, immoral person who had a good family. His father was lost. His mother was a born-again Christian. Okay? His mother, Monica, earnestly prayed for his salvation. And what Augustine would do at that time, and he recounts this in his memoir, Confessions, he was meditating in a garden. And th this is what he says, I was trying to understand the truth amid the confusion of various other philosophical systems. And he said there were some children nearby chanting a song or it was a game, and this is what those children would chant. Take up and read, take up and read. Take up and read, take up and read. And Augustine said, he was kind of superstitious, so I'll just take up and read. And he said, I found Christian scriptures. And he said, I, I just opened them up, okay? And you be, need to be careful about doing it. He said, I opened them up, and this is what he came to. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. When Augustine's eyes fell on that text, he was stricken with guilt and awakened to the things of God. Illumination. See, without the Holy Spirit, you just got a history book. Have you ever watched programs on TV that talk about the Bible? There'll be some man or woman with a PhD, and they're talking about the Bible, and you're like, what book are they reading? What are they reading? They don't have a clue what they're talking about, because natural man, Paul said, cannot understand 
spiritual things. They're spiritually discerned. R.C. Sproul, one of the great theologians of my time, listen to his, his testimony about the Bible. He says, I was converted to Christ through a discussion in a college dormitory one evening in 1957. He said, a fellow student who was a Christian was talking to me about the things of God and quoting all kinds of things from the Bible. Most of it went right, right over my head, and I do not remember what he said. Then he said, but he, he began to speak about the wisdom of God. And when he did, he opened his Bible to the book of Ecclesiastes and read a few verses. This is what he read. This is what got R.C. Sproul saved. One of the great theologians, some people put him in the top five all time. This is what this guy read to R.C. Sproul, and he became, he went from being very religious, went from being very religious to born again. This is what he said. He read this verse. If a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. Makes sense, don't it? If a tree falls here, it's here, right? Tree falls here, it's here. Tree falls, it don't move itself. Why? It is dead. R.C. Sproul said this. He said, as I heard those words, suddenly I was overwhelmed by thinking about myself as a tree that had fallen and was lying, torpid, rotting in the woods. I saw that I was just that, in that spiritual condition. I was a fallen tree. I would lie there forever unless God did something. This was not a misapplication of the text. I believe that God, the Holy Spirit, used that text to awaken me to saving faith. These are examples of what we call divine illumination, yet another important work of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says this, But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. One scholar put it this way, the Holy Spirit searches the depths of God for us. The Spirit acts as a searchlight and shines on the text of Scripture when we read it, giving us the capacity to, to, to understand the meaning of it. When this happens, we see the truth of God intensely and sharply. You believe that? That every time you read this book, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4 for just a moment. Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, and I want you to just look at verse 30. Okay, if you have your Bibles. I did this one time at a conference. The person talked about the power of God. And this is what I want you to do. Just read verses 30 through 32 to yourself, just quietly. Just read them. Then I'm going to read it real slow. Okay? And ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now look at this. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away with you, be, be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now just stop for a second. If you read that every morning, would your day not be better? If you said, Holy Spirit, speak to me. I mean, literally, speak to me. Apply these verses to my life today as I live my day, as I go about work, as I interact with people. You know what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to illuminate those verses in your heart. Or you can read them like this. Don't read the Holy Spirit, blah, 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 and then go on your day. See, when I study the Bible, I'll say this. God, please help me to understand your word. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 says... For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. The reason most people live on a, just a natural level is because you don't ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. The Holy Spirit will illuminate the Scriptures 
in your heart. Jesus told us this, the Holy Spirit will teach you all truth. So you got creation, illumination. The third thing is this, you have conviction. Notice what John says in John 14, verse 8. The Bible says this, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Look at that word, convict. The Greek word means this. The word is a legal term that means to pronounce a legal verdict by which the guilt of the culprit at the bar of justice is defined and fixed. Think about that. It's defined and fixed. As of right now, this is my judgment. That's what the word convict means. The Spirit does not merely accuse men of sin. He brings them to an escapable sense of guilt so that they realize their shame and helplessness before God. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. See, I can preach guilt. I, hear, I heard that a lot when I first became a Christian. People would preach guilt, right? Can't do this, got to dress this way, blah, 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 blah. Sound like Charlie Brown's teacher to me, right? But then the Holy Spirit comes in your life, and he convicts. See, I was 20 years old, and God convicted me that I was guilty before God, and I deserved, justly deserved, damnation and hell because I was guilty. And I'd been to court, by the way. I understand that. Guilty before a holy God. And let me, let me tell you this. You can pray for anybody you want to. You can witness anybody you want to. But unless the Holy Spirit brings that person to that point, they're not getting saved. I can't raise the dead. I can't give sight to the blind. The Bible says you're blind spiritually. The Bible says that sometimes people are just deaf. Jesus said, are you dull of hearing? See, people, he, are you listening? See, the Holy Spirit does that. See, that's why the invitation, people say, why do you only give a verse? Why should I give more than that? You want me to trick you into getting, coming down to the altar? If God the Holy Spirit doesn't bring you down here, ain't nothing I can do. I've been in those services where you get all emotional at the preacher or the choir. Nothing wrong with that. God can use that. But for the most part, listen, if you're coming to the altar every Sunday, I'm a pretty bad preacher. It's like I told our church Wednesday night. If you work in a homeless shelter for 20 years and the same people are homeless after 20 years, your homeless shelter is pretty bad. Let's find people a house. Amen? The Holy Spirit convicts you. I don't. God, the Holy Spirit, brings conviction and says, you're lost. The day I got under conviction, the worst, I was sitting at Millersville Baptist Church on this side. I don't even remember what he's preaching about. And God, the Holy Spirit, convicted my heart that I was lost. I was a mess. I was a wreck. Couldn't sleep at night from that day forward. Man can't do that. I can't do it. Hey, I've shared the faith outline, EE. I've shared it all with people. Notice just yawn. <gasps> nothing I can do about it. What do you want me to do about it? Can't do nothing about it. The Holy Spirit of God saves people, convicts people. And if you're under conviction and you say no to Jesus, that's not between you and him. Conviction. Notice the fourth thing, salvation. Notice what Jesus says the Holy Spirit does. Notice these verses on the screen. Jesus said this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I'll raise him up on the last day. You can't save anybody. You just share the gospel. You share the gospel. Why don't you sing 25 verses just as I am? Why should I have to? You shouldn't have to. How many times you got to do the same thing over and over again? Nobody comes to me unless my spirit draws. Paul told the church of Corinth, no one can say Jesus is Lord, the real Jesus, the resurrected Christ, who's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Nobody can say that except the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit saves. Notice the next verse on the screen. 
The Bible says this, According to his mercy, he saved us by the washing. Look at the word regeneration. Man can't do that. Catechism can't do that. Baptism can't do that. Walking down an aisle can't do that. Only the Holy Spirit can regenerate. That means to give a dead person life. Ephesians 2 says, Before Christ you were spiritually dead, but he made you alive. The Holy Spirit saves. The Holy Spirit does that. We cannot do that. By the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Notice what Jesus said in, in John 1. It says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Only God can do that in your heart. That's why I said this. You're either indwelt by the Holy Spirit or you're not today. That's a sign of your salvation. Notice the next verse, and it gives us incredible insurance. If you'll notice on the screen, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. We all doubt at times, right? Life can make us doubt. I'll tell you what makes people doubt more than anything is bad preaching. Makes people doubt. Made me doubt. Good preaching will say this, you're saved, when you're saved, you're justified, you're saved for eternity. Nothing you can do about it. It's, it's, you can't reverse that. You cannot do it. Once you're saved, you're saved. You've been sealed until the day of redemption. Amen? The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're his. That's assurance. There's no better assurance than having the Holy Spirit in your life. You're right now at this moment in your life, regardless of your age, regardless of your church membership, you're either indwelt by the Holy Spirit or you're not. That's it. Only two kinds of people in the world. The, the clear, orthodox teaching of Scripture is every born-again Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And then the final thing is this. God can bring incredible comfort and help. John 14, 16 through 18, notice what Jesus says. Jesus makes this statement. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I'll pray to the Father, and he'll give you another helper. Our, our, I love the writings of Paul in writing 2 Timothy, the last epistle he wrote. He's in prison. Many scholars think that from that prison he ended up dying. You know what Timothy says? Look at this. I mean, Paul says, greatest theologian ever lived. Greatest born-again Christian to walk the earth, in my opinion, was Paul. And he says this, will you bring me a coat? Don't got a coat. Why would he say that? Because Roman, they didn't give you a coat. They didn't give you food half the time. Your family had to bring it. Paul says, all have forsaken me but Luke. <laughs> Thank God for Luke. And he talks about this person just uh, betrayed me. This He said, will you bring me some books? Bring me some books. This is the Apostle Paul. And notice what he says. At my first defense, no one stood with me. You know what that means? They took Paul to court, and you'd have witnesses there. Your whole family would be there. Ah, oh, he's, he's not guilty. They'd say, is anyone here with the Apostle Paul? One time. Nobody. Is anybody here with the Apostle Paul? Two times. It's over. He said, at my first offense, nobody. Nobody. But all forsook me. Now, that's a love word. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So you can be in the same house with your spouse and forsake them, Right? Jesus said, I'm not, not going to leave you, and I'm not going to forsake you either. Paul said this, those I love, they forsook me. May it not be charged against them. He's a better man than I am. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Now, did Jesus show up there in the flesh? Did Jesus show up? I remember Rick Bettino coached the Boston Celtics. They had a bad year. Oh, it was so bad. He told the reporters, that, you know, Boston, they want to win. 
He said, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and Robert Parrish isn't walking through that door. Hey, let me tell you something. You need help. Jesus ain't walking through that door. The Holy Spirit in you said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. Paul said this, God the Holy Spirit stood with me and strengthened me. Stood with me. That's why I said, you need help today. You got help. And then Jesus said in John 14, he said, I will not leave you orphans. Think about that for a moment. All these disciples had a mom and a daddy. He said, but you don't have the father. I'm not going to leave you orphanless. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Think about this. Think about an orphan. What does an orphan need? Direction. Orphan, orphan needs encouragement. You know, I grew up without a dad in my life. My mom worked all the time, so I was at home all by myself all the time. I remember as a teenager, okay, I played sports, was that guy, saying, I wish I just had somebody in my life to tell me what to do. To tell me no, tell me yes, tell me whatever. Show me something, okay? How many of you walk through life, wow, you may make good money, have a good job, but you're like, I just don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. I just wish somebody would tell me. Jesus said this, for my children, I don't leave you orphanless. I'm a father to the fatherless. I'll give you purpose. I'll give you direction. I'll help you along the way. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Church, why would you say no to Jesus? Have you ever truly repented of your sin and placed your faith and trust in him? The Bible says this, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to ask you to stand with me just for a moment, every head bowed and every eye closed as our musicians come. And the question I would ask you this morning is this, do you need help? Christian, do you need help this morning? Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives peace, but I give it to you. You need peace? Do you feel like an orphan at times? I know as Christians we can, but Jesus is here for you. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, I would encourage you to say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus this morning. You don't have to come down front, right there where you are in the quietness of this moment. Just say yes to Jesus. And if you're a Christian today, why don't you pray this prayer just real quietly. Jesus, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. I need help. Strengthen me. I need direction. I need help. I just need your help. And spend this moment real quietly with the Lord. And after I pray, Sharon's going to lead us in a song and this altar's open if you need to come forward. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for your grace. Holy Spirit, work in the hearts and lives of your children. Give help. Give comfort. Give peace, give assurance, Father. And if there's anyone here that's never placed their faith in you, Holy Spirit, draw those to yourself and save. For your honor and for your glory. Father, this is your time, these are your people, this is your invitation. And I pray that it would bring honor and glory to your name. Amen. You respond as the Lord leads you this morning, as Sharon leads us in the song.
very much for your attendance and for your attention. I'm going to ask Lakin to come up here. We just baptized her last week, and she comes this morning to uh, join East Hazel Baptist Church. Do we have a motion to accept her as a member? Do we have a second? All in favor, raise your hand and say praise the Lord. Well, we want to welcome you to East Hazel Baptist Church. I'm honored to be your pastor. I love you. I love you, Eric and Holly. Thank you all so much and your family. Listen, I hope you have a great Sunday. I know you want to come by and shake her hand. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, I'd love to talk to you about that. Whether you're here in person or watching online, I'd love to talk to you about that. I love you. God bless you. I hope you have a great week and hope to see you back here Wednesday. Thank you. You're dismissed.